The word of the Lord from the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the, dishonor, the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we come to you today looking at this passage, trying to make sense of it. Bless our hearts as we preach. Bless our hearts as we allow your gospel to change our lives and the lives of those around us. In, in your name we pray. Amen. Of all of the parables in the Bible, this parable is probably the most difficult. If you read any commentaries about this passage, you will see many, many different explanations. There are a lot of problems. But one of the things that I want to address as we look at this passage is the heart of it all. Because quite frankly, there is a difficulty that even precedes this passage. When I was talking to, to Mike at the, uh, at the preaching team and we were talking about this passage, I said, you know, I think that in order to understand this passage, we have to look at the parable of the prodigal son. And Mike said, well, we, we really haven't preached that passage yet, so maybe you couldn't get into it very much. I said, no, we really have to look at that passage. So, so without trying to preach that passage, I want to talk a little bit about it. But, but, uh, but before I do that, I, I actually, I, I need to ask a question, and that is, are, are there any lawyers in the house any, any, any lawyers? Oh, oh, am I saying no hand? Oh, good. That, that, that makes my job a lot easier. Because as Jesus is talking about this passage, he goes all the way back. I mean, his attitude takes us all the way back to Genesis, where Adam and Eve walk in the garden and they decide that they would rather be lawyers, knowing the law of God, than lovers knowing the heart of God. They would rather know the knowledge of good and evil, and so they eat from that tree, rather than walk with God in the evening and learn of His heart and learn the good, and as a result, then be able to distinguish between good and evil. And from that moment on, whenever we come to a difficult passage, 
And if you, you can go into Matthew chapter uh, 5 through 7 when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he's saying, don't resist an evil man and, and, and pray for your enemies. And we say, okay, 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 you know, if, if, if you get struck on the right cheek, turn the left cheek also. And, and we ask ourselves, okay, but when does it end? At what point does justice begin to balance out mercy? At what point does justice begin to balance out grace? and forgiveness. And it is at that moment that we become lawyers. We want to know, okay, God, you've, you've given me this entire passage, just tell me what I need to do. Just tell me what I need to do. And when Jesus began to teach, he realized that the Pharisees were following him around trying to get the goods on him trying to get Jesus to stake a position so that they as lawyers could come in and dissect his position and declare him either a good teacher or a heretic. And so what Jesus began to do was teach him parables. And in the book of Luke, in chapter 8, Jesus teaches the parable of the sower. And when it is over, the, the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, why are you preaching in parables. And Jesus says, I am preaching in parables so that hearing they will not understand, seeing they will not see. Essentially what Jesus is saying is, my job is to confuse them. You see, the purpose of a lawyer is to take the law and to interpret it in such a way that you can continue to do whatever you want to do. If I'm the head of a big corporation and, and, and the, the, the Congress passes new tax laws, I go to my lawyers and I say, figure out how I can pay the least amount of tax. Figure out how I can sell what I want to sell, manufacture what I want to manufacture, even though the law says I can't do that. Your job is to let me do what I want to do. And that's the problem with lawyers. And so Jesus begins to teach in parables to force the Pharisees, to force the listeners to wrestle with his words and to wrestle with his heart. You see, he is inviting them to become lovers. He is inviting them to care enough about his word so that he will, or so that they will, dive in and think long and hard about what he has to say. You see, the very first parable that Jesus told when he gave this example was the parable of the sower. You can imagine a man walking away and saying, Honey, honey, I'm, I'm going off to see Jesus teach. I hear he's a, he's a great teacher. And, 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 and they go down to hear Jesus teach and, and he stands and he listens to Jesus say the, these words. There was a man who went to sow seed and some of his seed fell on hard ground and, and, and the birds of the air came and ate the seeds and some of his seeds fell on stony ground in it and it burst forth into life but because it had no root after a while the, the blazing sun came out and withered it to death. Some seed fell on weedy soil 
And the seed came up, but, but the thorns came up more quickly and choked out the, uh, out the wheat. Now some of the seed fell on good soil, and that soil gave sixty and eighty and a hundredfold. And the guy walked home, and his wife said, So how'd it go? How was Jesus? What did he talk about? And, and the guy said, Well, as near as I can figure, agriculture. He talked about how to plant a garden. I, I don't understand. Now at that point, that man has a choice. He can decide that Jesus is some kind of crackpot. He can decide that Jesus is some kind of a motivational speaker. He can, de- he can decide that Jesus is, is, is just someone who is out charming and, and amazing the crowds and that he really has nothing deep to say. Or he can decide that Jesus has something profound that he is trying to say. And like a man poring over a treasure map, begin to study, begin to think, begin to talk to his friends, and slowly begin to discern the truth of what Jesus has to say. Everything is based on who do you say that I am. If Jesus is God, then you're going to carefully pay attention to his words. If Jesus is just a speaker, then think about it if you want and not if you don't. So Jesus is telling these parables to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's separating these parables and and he tells them in Luke chapter 14 that, that, that it is important for you to begin to look at life differently. He, he goes to a party and he watches how everyone sits at, at, at the highest seats. I mean, they, they get there early so that they can sit up on the dais. They, they, they get there early so that they can have the best seats of the house. And Jesus tells them, you ought not do this because there is a problem. And that is if you think more highly of yourself than you ought, well, then, then you're going to get one of the best seats and then the, the, the host is going to come up and say, you know, we have a really important person here. Um, there's a seat in the back. Sorry. But if you take the seat in the back and you are of someone of importance, the, the, the host will come and in front of everyone say, oh, no, 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 you must sit up front. You see, don't go after your own reputation. And then he tells the host, he says, you know, the people that you have invited are the wrong people. You ought to invite people who will not invite you to their home. You ought to invite the poor. You ought to invite those who have no resource so that, so that it's not a, a tit-for-tat kind of situation. I'm inviting you this Tuesday, and in a month or so you'll have a party and invite me. That's not how you should do it. Invite those who cannot pay you back. And in so doing, God will pay you back because that is the heart of God. And Jesus begins to do this. He begins to, to, to uh, eat with the publicans and sinners. He begins to eat with the people who are undesi- undesirables. And, and, and at the end of chapter 14, the Pharisees begin to see this and they begin to complain. And in, and in chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories. And that is the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost boy. And at the end of each of those stories, there is a party. And so we begin to get the understanding that God is a God of parties. God is a God of rejoicing. 
And actually, if you look at the calendar, if you look at the Jewish calendar, you will find an amazing number of feast days throughout the year. Every Sabbath was a feast day. And, and, and then there were feast days throughout the year. There was Passover and there was the, uh, the, the Festival of Booths and there was, there was uh, Yom Kippur and there, I mean, feast after feast after feast, Pentecost, et cetera, et cetera. God wanted his people to celebrate. He wanted his people to party. And now he wants other people to party. You know, he calls them, he calls us stewards. Stewards of his creation. Stewards of all that he has, he has given us. And, 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 and that gives us a very unnerving attitude, perhaps. I've spoken to a lot of people, non-Christians, unfortunately, who say, you know, the last thing I want is a Christian, uh, a, a, a loud Christian coming into my place of business because I know they're going to complain, they're going to demand perfection, they're just not going to be kind. And I've talked to people, Christians, about this, and they say, well, you know, I am God's steward. I don't want to be wasting God's money. I don't want to be wasting his stuff. I mean, I mean, he has given me this stuff in order to, 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 to watch, to caretake. And, 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 I, and I, want to be, I want to be worthy. And so I don't want to waste it. But in chapter 15, there seems to be a lot of waste. A man finds that he only has 99 of his 100 sheep and, and he leaves the 99 behind and he goes and he finds the sheep and, and when he finds it and brings it home, he calls all of his friends and he says, we're going to have a party. One can only assume it was vegetarian because, or maybe he had 99 sheep at the end of the party, I don't know. And then a woman goes and, and, and loses a coin and, and she cleans her entire house. And when she finds the coin, she calls her friends and says, we're going to have a party. Again, perhaps spending the coin that she found. And finally, a boy goes to his wealthy dad. And he says, you know, if you were dead, I could have your stuff. I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff. And the father divides his stuff among his two boys. And the younger son goes off into a, into a far country and he squanders his father's stuff. And then he comes to his senses because a famine has hit and, and, and he has no job to get except for feeding pigs. He's kind of fighting for the food of the pigs with the pigs. And it says that one day he came to his senses and he said, you know, my father has enough food for all of his servants. I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. He comes to his senses. He banks on the fact that his father will be gracious, that his father will be merciful. And he goes back and finds out that his father is even more merciful than he can imagine. Because rather than make him a servant, he reinstates him as a son. 
Now that leads us to this parable. The most difficult of parables. Because it involves a wealthy man who owns, who, who has hired a steward. And that steward's job is to make sure that his master's business, that his master prospers. And so he sets up accounts and he loans money and, and he rents out land and, and, and he has all kinds of debts that, that are being paid throughout the year. Many of these debts are being paid in the, in the, the harvest season, in the fall, when, when of course harvest comes. And, 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 and so he is sitting around living off of his master's wealth because he is doing his master's business. Well, apparently... He is living too high off the hog. Or, as it's Jewish, we'll say, too high off the lamb. And someone reports it to the master, and the master comes to the servant, and he says, I need the books, because you have been wasting my stuff. And so this guy doesn't know what to do. Look at this passage. In chapter 16, verse 3, he says, what am I going to do now? My, my master is taking away my job. I, I, I'm not strong enough to work, and, and I'm too proud to beg. What am I going to do? Wait a second. I know. I know. I know what I can do so, so, so that when I am relieved of my job, I will have people who will... Who will benefit me. They will bless me. I want you to think about the story of the prodigal as we think about the story of the manager. The prodigal takes his father's stuff and squanders them. In chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of squandering his possessions. Same word. So the rich, so, so, so the, the steward is squandering his master's possessions like, like the younger son squanders his father's possessions. And both of them get caught. Now, the young son gets caught because of a famine. As his last denarius is handed over to to someone for some kind of party or some kind of meal or some kind of pleasure, the rain stopped falling and there's no work to be had. An economic downturn occurs and this previously wealthy boy has been caught squandering his father's possessions. And now the the shrewd manager, the unjust manager, is caught squandering his master's possessions. Both find themselves in a crisis and both have a flash of insight, a flash of of, uh, brilliance. Here is how I will make my way. And both 
decide that they will survive by banking on their master's mercy. The father's mercy in the story of the prodigal, the boss's mercy in the story of the shrewd manager. So the manager goes through all of his accounts and he brings them to him and he says, how much do you owe? The first one says, uh, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. Quick, take your bill, rewrite it. We're going to write it, we're going to make it 400. How much do you owe? Well, uh, a, a thousand bushels of wheat. Quick, take your bill and write it down and, and we will make it 800. And he goes on and on and on through that list. He is banking on the fact that the manager or or that that the owner, the wealthy guy, will not have the cojones to go back through and rewrite those bills for the original amount. Or even that he he might not even know. He simply knows that they have been decreased. But something happens that the shrewd manager doesn't count on. And that is that not only does the rich guy allow it, but he commends the steward. The steward has squandered his master's possessions by spending it on himself. himself. But when he spends the master's money on the debtors, He is commended. Because essentially, he throws a party for them. And the master says, that's what I wanted the whole time. You see, in the previous stories, there were parties being thrown. Every every time there was a problem, parties were thrown. Every time the problem was resolved, parties were thrown. Our God is a God of throwing parties, and you are God's steward. And so the question is, what are you doing to throw parties for those around you who are not believers and who needs to understand how wonderful your God is? What are you doing? You are a steward of of the possessions that are in your your hand. You are a steward of the mind that God has given you. You are a steward of, of all of the talents that you possess. You do not own those things. And so the question is, what are you doing to use those things to show others how wonderful your God is. You see, because as that man begins to take debtor by debtor and rewrite the bill, they go home, they understand that he is the steward, they understand that this action is being taken as a result of the master's orders. And so they go home rejoicing in the name of the master. 
They go home telling the good news of the master who, who, who took my bill down from 800 ga- uh, gallons of, of oil to 400, from, from 1,000 bushels to 800. And so they go home and they proclaim the master's name. The master walks down the street and and people are coming up to him thanking him for his generosity. His generosity carried out by a master in or, or a, a manager in crisis. You see what he does is he banks on the mercy of his master and he is surprised just as the son in the prodigal was surprised that the master, the father, is even more gracious than we know. He is even more gracious than we know. And so we are called to use everything in our disposal. You see, we have this notion that, 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 that I have my possessions and a certain percentage of them are God's and, 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 then, and then the rest can be mine. But in fact, everything is God's. And He will ask for us to return to Him a certain amount. And the rest of that money, the rest of that talent, the rest of that time, we need to be very conscious that we use in a way that will bring glory to his name. And sometimes we do it in wild and crazy ways. And it seems that when we step out and do some of those wild and crazy things that, well, that God can be the most satisfied the most pleased with what it is that we do. For you see, he too knows how to be extravagant. For, for on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples And he said, how much is it that you owe? Quickly, take your bill and write down, paid in full. He took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, quickly, Take your bill and write paid in full. You see, we can be extravagant in the way that we use God's gifts to us, but never as extravagant as He. And so today, you are invited to come forward. and to take this bread and to take this cup 
and eat and drink of the extravagance of our God.